thing, that we encounter God's love afresh and that we're sensing what he's doing right now. That um, even though maybe I'm doing most of the talking, but God is is with us. His presence is here and he's moving and he wants something to say something to you fresh right now. Um, so, yeah, really excited to be able to talk to you about family and God's one of the greatest revelations that Jesus gave us was is that God desires to be a father to us. And it's from his fathering, it's from that declaration that I want to be a father to you, that he's called us to be his children and to be adopted in. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be just, just thinking about how how that works. How does the the family of God work, just a, a bit of a flavor of something that I've learned along the way. And then I just love us to spend some time in more extended worship and and to encounter that love, to encounter God as Father afresh, because that is so key. I think whenever you take the Father out of the kingdom or our understanding of who God is, I think you lose so much. I think you lose that that tenderness, you you lose the heart of of the Father, and as we look at in, in in a minute, when we when we like the Pharisees did, when you take out that relationship, when you take out the affection of the Father, all you've got left is law and and rules. So let's dive, dive in that into that together. One of the um, the greatest parables ever shared that I think Jesus ever shared was um, in my opinion is um, the parable of the father and the two sons and we've got a beautiful picture just in the uh, in the hallway out there and it's a picture of an embrace it's a picture of, of the father just holding the son and we've got one at home um, but it's not of a son it's of a daughter and in the in the picture the uh, the daughter's, she's a bit limp. Her arms are kind of, it looks like she's just kind of at her, kind of the end of her strength. But there's this father just holding her close. And to me, if I had to embody, if that, if there was an image that just encaptures the heart of God, it's that. Um, we're all really familiar, I'm sure, with the, the story of, um, the prodigal returning home, and we we call that parable the, um, you know the um, the prodigal son, but really that parable was more to do with the father than it is the son. And there's a lovely line. There's a really powerful line where it says, "While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran, embraced him, and kissed him." There's another son in that story that I probably relate more to, and it's the oldest son. He didn't leave home, and he, he stayed in the family business. And he's really offended by that embrace. And the fact is that he chose, although he, cho- didn't, he didn't choose to leave, he didn't have that relationship with the father. 
he may have been overly familiar with the father. He may have decided that you know, there was nothing particular, that relationship um, wasn't worth valuing. And I think as believers, as Christians in the church, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of um, that relationship with the father. We can make it very transactional and mechanical and we can think about what have you done for me and what we'll be doing and I've been out in the field slaving for you and why haven't you done this for me, God? And we, we miss out on the encounter. We miss out on the, the moment when we, you know, of, of embrace that the, the younger son experiences. And at the heart of that parable, for me, is an invitation of the father, which is, because at the end of the parable, the father goes out to the son in the field and, and is asking him to come in. And that's the invitation that we have every single day, is, is the invitation of the father, saying, will you let me father you? Will you let me be your father? And, can I be, and, and will you be my child? Will you be my son? Will you be my daughter? And um, in the New Testament, we've got this guy called Paul who helpfully tried to explain all of what Jesus did <laughs> a bit later. And um, in Romans, he explains, this is a really important um, passage um, where he explains that the confession of, of the Spirit is also that we are, that there's invitation to be a child of God. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children. So at the heart of God's kingdom... Uh, I didn't actually write down. Thank you. Romans 8. Romans 8 from verse 14. Thanks, Sarah. So at the heart of this, this dynamic, at the heart of, of God's kingdom, he desires to explain it as a family. He desires to use the language of father. And I was just reflecting with this with some friends recently. And we were thinking... You know, he could have used so many different words, so many other different types of words. You know, he could have, you know, used Lord or like Commander or like, I mean, we do call him Lord, but you know what I mean in terms of like Judge. You know, that could be the primary way that he could be saying like, this is what, this is the role that I'm going to play. But the primary um, way that Jesus refers to him and now the Holy Spirit in that passage the confession is that God desires to be a father. He desires to be, and, we, and for us to be his children. And I think as, as Christians, like, like I said earlier, it's, I think that, that can, we can get so over-familiar with that, um, that revelation. But when we do lose it, it becomes, you know, it becomes so religious and it becomes so dry if we don't have that that kind of tenderness and that relationship with God. So as so now just moving on, just thinking about the family of God in terms of family culture. 
something that um, I can see throughout Scripture is within this family, um, God really makes it really clear to, to us that he really cares about how we treat one another. If you look at um, throughout Scripture, um, from beginning to end, he's really hot on how we treat one another in our family. And, um, you know, being a parent, you know, that is, I can totally get that. Like, how my children treat one another and other people is of highest importance. It's it's the thing. And and in the Old Testament, we can see, you know, obviously he gave us the Ten Commandments. And just looking at those, like, nearly all of them, are, well, majority of them, six out of ten, are about how we relate to one another. And throughout the Old Testament, just looking at the prophets, again and again, he's, he's saying, you know, when you lose sight of, of, of justice and how you treat one another, I'm really not, I'm really not okay with that. Um, looking at the, the prophet Amos, um, God said, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing never stream. And just looking at Matthew 25 again, we've been going through Matthew, haven't we? In Matthew 25, Jesus says, he, he, he's revealed as the king, and it says, when the Son of Man comes in glory, so this is uh, Matthew 25, verse 31, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the, the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who have blessed you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For, it, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. There's something really mysterious about that and, and kind of awesome about that. That how we treat one another is, is so connected with our worship. That true worship begins with how we, we, we interact and how we treat one another. And how, we, how our hearts are towards each other. That without that posture in a good place, you know, our worship is completely undermined. Isn't that isn't that isn't that powerful? Isn't that important to consider? Our heart posture and how we treat people is the fundamental, the basis of our worship. 
And uh, I, I, I don't know if this, is, if this is perhaps where it's coming from, because I'm just trying to imagine what it's like. But I know whenever someone serves my children and, and talks to my children and how that ministers to my heart and how that is so important to me. And so I can only imagine what it's like for him when we reach out and and choose to humble ourselves and, and get over ourselves and and just step away from our pride and just really sit with people and love people. It really ministers to his heart. It's it can't be over overlooked. Um, Obviously, it's not the only thing that we should do, but I just think it's something for us to really remember. In the Gospels, um, a really helpful kind of literary kind of ploy that the, the, the writers make is bring in these characters called uh, the Pharisees, who uh, who I kind of got a soft spot for, actually, as I've uh, realized that I'm not too dissimilar to them in some ways. Um, but... Um, what the, 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 the authors of the Gospels do is that they, you know, because I was thinking, if you were if you were to write the Gospels, would you write them in? You might want to edit them out. They're kind of annoying, but they they keep them in there, and the, the dialogues are so important. They're so helpful because they contrast, don't they? So Jesus is doing something, and lo and behold, there's the Pharisee pointing his finger and just being offended by something that Jesus is doing, and. Um, I was brought up, you know, in Sunday school to really hate the Pharisees and to just like, it was just a dirty word, like, oh, Pharisees. But the more, the more I've kind of tuned into myself and listened to my heart, the more I can hear their voice in my own. And that's kind of scary. But, but then the Father just gently leads me into repentance and uh, allows me to kind of confess those judgments and my offense whenever I see him ask me to forgive someone or to um, to love someone that um, is, you know, that I want to despise. You know, in the, in the story that Esther shared in the worship, you know, with that man who beat up that young man, you know, easy to, to get on a high horse and just and hate that person. But that's not the way of Jesus, and that's not what he called us to do. So when I read... Um, when I read the Gospels now, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for them being there because they highlight to me the heart of Jesus and what he's actually doing. Um, and they're actually become my, my favorite parts of Scripture when, when, um, when, when that woman is brought before Jesus who's caught in adultery. Or um, their offense when, when um, Mary wipes Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. And you can feel their offense and their outrage. Or when, when, when he, when he calls Matthew the tax collector. And I, lo- I don't know if you've seen The Chosen. Have you guys seen The Chosen? It's a beautiful scene. They capture it so well. It's only one verse in the gospel. But they, ho- they create this whole scene of it where Jesus is walking by and then he stops. And it's like he just got a bit of a download, turns around and then just talks straight into Matthew's heart and says, follow me, Matthew. Um, let me read from that. So Matthew 9, verse 9. It says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. 
I appreciate the chosen for kind of unpacking that because that's such a short verse, isn't it? But what a moment. While Jesus was having dinner with, at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax, collect- tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And again, the chosen do a really good job with that, just to plug them again. And even even in talking to the Pharisees, Jesus' heart is still open. Just going back to the uh, the parable of, you know, in, in uh, Luke 15, of the parable of the two sons, he says that in the Pharisees' hearing, because he's really talking about them. He's saying there is an older son that stayed behind but has no relationship with the father, and that's you. And so um, he's so gracious with them, even though he obviously would later be um, arrested by them and and trialed by them. But something that Jesus modeled of the kingdom, this family, this family culture um, that he's called us into, that he's invited us into as as his children, Um, something that he demonstrated in that passage that we just looked at, um, Matthew 9, is that Jesus, he's got, I, I call it the fringe, it's not like a fringe hair, but whenever Jesus went, he had his disciples who were kind of like the in the in group, the kind of the inner circle. But he was more than happy to have plenty of tagons. He loved having the extras and the people that were just milling around. And uh, and I just think that's really important. I think it's really beautiful that he left that access, that he wasn't like, no, this is a elite group. I'm actually training up these guys. Hopefully they're going to do a good job when I leave. He was, he kept the door open. And I really believe, my, this is my personal opinion, that healthy churches have a big fringe. Healthy churches have, yes, they have membership and, pe- you know, a group that is committed to one another and we're tracking together. But there's also a, quite a big fringe. There's quite a big group of... Um, I don't want to call them extras, but like they're people on that are sort of engaged in some way. Um, and I just wanted to just um, just wanted to plug Christy, my man Christy, and what he does here on a Monday night. It's such a beautiful group. Um, I, I went along for about a year. Just really enjoyed being part of the group and he creates such a safe place for people that are on the journey people that are searching people that are hurting deeply hurting deeply deeply wounded that have then has led them on to addiction but what christy does and then what the program does it goes you're hurting you're in pain let's go there let's look at it together because actually when you when you bring that pain to the cross, when you bring that pain to Jesus, your life can be transformed. And this addiction that you've come here, which, which is what you can't deny anymore, that you've come with, 
that can be addressed. But first, let's look at the pain. First, let's like let's talk about let's talk about the pain. And um, it's such a gentle and supportive group, and it's such a, an important part of our church. And I think um, just wanted to just to flag it. And I know we do different groups here as well. But a key part of what, um, or kind of like a key hallmark of, of that in terms of just thinking about God's family is, is compassion, generosity, and it's the embrace. Going back to the embrace that I talked about at the start of the Father. That's the difficult bit, if I'm being honest. Because, you know, when you bring people in and you embrace them, they can hurt you. It can hurt. And when you bring people close to your heart, you feel what they feel. So you can celebrate the highs, you can celebrate the victories, but then you can really feel when things don't go well. When things just, um, things aren't okay. But it was in, it's in those, it's in the fringe that people can enter the kingdom. It's in having those kind of gateways, those sort of moments where your hearts are open, your arms are hope, open like on a Monday night, that they can enter the kingdom, that they can hear about the king, that they can hear about um, hear about Jesus and actually go from receiving grace, receiving that acceptance, and then joining the family. Um, part of my job at the Good Faith Partnership, I've got quite a fun job. Part of my job is I get... To, uh, encourage churches to open their doors and create something called uh, welcoming spaces. Um, so in the context of the cost of living, as hopefully you're, you're aware that there's, there's people seriously struggling now to, they're, they're kind of weighing up whether to put the heating on or to feed their families. Um, they're weighing up, you know, which days of the week should we put the heating on? And, um, and as a response, you know, I've, you know, we, you know, David Barclay, he came up with this concept of warm welcome. And, um, and last winter, there was about 35 churches that opened up their doors and just said, like, we're going to try and create a warm space, which is basically just a, a space to kind of welcome people in. Um, yes, be in the warm. We're going to feed you, but our hearts are open. We're going to, we're going to be available to you. And um, there's two particular churches that um, I'm supporting that I just got a real affection for. One's in um, Lockleys. Um, their fringe is now bigger than their actual church, which is really fun. They're a church of around 50, but their fringe is about 90, which is really fun. So they have a meal on a, on a Monday night, and so much of their community comes in for food you got the older generation and the younger generation all together sat around a table eating a meal, playing games. And it's so simple. And they're warm and they're welcome. And they're embraced. And it's that embrace that is the key part. And so um, those people have then become part of the team. They've become part of the group. And um, they were telling me recently that nine of them have now been baptized and are part of their church through that group. And I just think that's awesome that it started with the embrace. It started with, we see you, we see that you're in a really difficult moment, and we love you, and we mean that, 
and we're going to be here every week for you. And they were, and it wasn't just like we're doing this favor for you and we're, no, you sit with us at the table as equals. You're sitting with us as equals at the table. And there's another group in Hartcliffe. Again, amazingly, their kind of warm welcome or whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter what it's called, is now bigger than their church. And the vicar was telling me, Joe, this is, this is our church, man. They, they put on a meal. They, um, it's mainly single mums and their children. It's a bit like us on a Thursday night with uh, the bouncy castle. It's just a bit chaotic. It's a bit mad. There's lots of children running around. But they use the language family. Isn't that interesting? They say this is our family. We belong here. And they care about us here. And I just love it. I just love it so much. That um, these mums in the, in the, yeah, the Hartcliffe area just... That's their experience of church, of coming in, being embraced, being loved. And I know at Hope we have many different expressions of that on Wednesday, Hope on Wednesday and Food Bank and Ukraine Hub. And it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of. Um, but it's, it's the way of Jesus. He, he modeled that to us. It's like, I don't know if this is good theology or not, so just weigh it up. But it's like we're basically saying you're a part of the family before you're part of the family. We're going to treat you like you're part of the family whether you pray the prayer or not, whether you've invited Jesus into your heart or not. We're going to treat you like an insider before you are. We're going to treat you, we're going to, we're going to save a seat at the table for you until, until you take that seat. And um, I've loved this painting for a long time. Sometimes when we're in the worship, I just find myself staring at it. And it's such a beautiful picture, isn't it? It just really helps capture imagination. I really appreciate the way that we talk about boats, and we've got the boats down here. And um, I really appreciate all the support we get for doing the Ukraine Hub and um, all the prayer. I just want to particularly shout out Hannah. Sometimes, Hannah, um, you do a lot for us, so thank you for everything you do to support the Hub. She's a big part of the Hub. But I look at this person here. They're in the boat. They've been brought in. So imagine that's a Monday night with Christy. All right, he's bringing the boat, bringing the guys back in. Look at this. Look at this person. Look at this person. There's the embrace that I was talking about. Obviously, like maybe this is Christy getting out the boat, saying, "Welcome, welcome. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom." Maybe it was a few years ago, Christy. So, so good. <laughs> this is the kingdom, guys. But then these guys are ready. These guys are ready. Isn't that beautiful? They're like, come here. We receive you. We bless you. You belong here. You belong here. This is where you belong. And I just love that. It just really gets me. It gets me really gets me every single time I think about it. It's, um, it's the welcome home moment, isn't it? It's, um, you've been lost, like I mentioned at the start with Luke 15, you've been lost for a long time, but now we want to welcome you home. And that's the heart of the Father. He delights in making the outsiders the insiders, doesn't he? He rejoices in bringing people into his family like he did with us.
He's the father waiting on the porch, ready to see his children come home. And we get to do that. We get to do that. We get to be his arms. Um, yeah. Something when we do the Ukraine hub, um, they kind of line up. There's, a, there's normally a queue at the end for hugs. <laughs> and it's a, it's a real privilege to be there for them. Um, obviously, we don't initiate it. <laughs> it wouldn't be appropriate for me to do that. They want it. They want the hug. They want the embrace. And, um, and as, and it's really interesting. I've deliberately never referred to the hub as family. I just don't want to do that because it can be quite manipulative when you start saying, but we're family, aren't we? You know, you can, you can use that language in a manipulative kind of way. So I'm very careful never to use it. But then it's interesting that they use it. They say, Joe, this is our family. We belong here. And um, and that's special. Um, the difficult thing is, is when um, when we embrace them in our hearts, you know, and they go through difficult times, like Yulia right now in a coma, and um, just um, feeling, just going through all the emotions with them right now, with her son, Yaroslav, who's ten, he doesn't know if his mum's going to wake up. And um, Yulia's parents, who've just arrived in the UK four weeks ago, can't speak English, terrified, don't want to leave the house. And um, but we're there, and we feel it all, and we're with them, and we're with them in it. And um, and they know they know we love them, and they know that they're here, and and that they ask for prayer. They said, "Will you pray for us?" And we said, "Yeah, of course, we'll pray for you." Um, so I appreciate being able to share that with you as the church family and saying we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you. Whatever outcome, we're there for you. And it's just really grateful again for Hannah for organizing food and that support, the practical stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you, Hannah. Um, but they've got our hearts and they know that. And they, um, but that isn't that the way of the Father? That's what he did. He's given us his heart. Yeah. And I do believe in boundaries, all right? So don't get worried about me, okay? I do have boundaries, right? Um, just thought I'd throw that in there. I know when to rest and stuff. But there are some days I don't feel particularly emotionally resilient, but that's why we rest. Okay. So Esther, would you be up for just um, leading us into some worship? I just really value encounter i think um you know teaching is really important but what's more important is that you encounter god and we we spend some time with him um we sense his heart and anyway we're so familiar with this picture of her father and the children aren't we but there isn't a greater revelation in the kingdom there isn't a higher revelation in my opinion than than god is our father he's our dad his heart is huge. And he's passionate about us. And uh, even when we were far off and we were disinterested in him, his heart burned for us. And his heart still burns for everyone. And um, he's calling us home. 
There isn't a higher revelation than that, in my opinion. So thank you, Father, that you chose to reveal yourself as, as our dad, as our father. Thank you for your tenderness, your passion. Thank you for your burning love for us. Thank you that you first chose to embrace us. You wrapped your arms around us. You called us home. Thank you that you then call us to do the same. To have open hearts and open hands and receive people in love and acceptance. You've called us to make homes. To make home for the, for the orphan and for the lost. You've called us to be a home for the broken. You've called us to be the family of God, your family. Thank you that there's no higher identity than to be your son and daughter. Thank you for reminding me about that today. You're better than we realize. Thank you for softening our hearts again.